Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. This is Pete Vecchi welcoming you to another episode of Reconciling Grace. I'm glad to be here today, and in the studio with me is Vicki Cundiff, and remotely with us today are Mick Wells and Don McDonald, and we're going to be having part two of the topic we discussed last time, the commandment to love. And this topic was led by Vicki, and Vicki, you were doing such a great job, we only got about halfway through it, so I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say as we move on to this second half. All right. Well, we were talking about the importance of love and how uh, Jesus commanded us uh, through John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. He told his disciples, he said, I am giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And then we made that connection in Scripture where Jesus had summed up all the Ten Commandments with two, which basically he was saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as, our, as yourself. And then after that, he added that that's, that sums up the entire law and the demands of the prophets, because what he's saying there is that from cover to cover, the Bible is about love, because God is love. It's who he is. Um, it's the heart of the gospel of Christ. And so the commands of God throughout the Bible are based solely on our love for Him and our love for people. And so the Bible has so much to teach us uh, on the subject of love. And we're going to get into some of those scriptures um, here today. Uh, But before we do, we were also talking about, in our last program, it's not always easy. And so we want to preface this with that again and say that uh, we discussed how sometimes people are living in uh, critical situations and continual situations, uh, abuse or just living with somebody in anger or just what it is. Sometimes it can just be one thing that happened to you that was so horrible, um, but we were talking about how the need to love and, and why that that's important. And so we're going to pick up on that as we talk today, and we're going to use some scriptures later that hopefully can help someone because we've all lived in those situations where we've had difficulty with people, and maybe we were the ones being difficult and some people had some difficulty uh, with us. No, it's never me. Never it's, you, it's, Pete. It's always the other person. <laughs> <laughs> You need this lesson today, don't you? I, I no, was I'm being facetious. That's the word that I, I Mick likes when I use is facetious. <laughs> <laughs> but Jesus did command us uh, to love. And uh, in our last program, we talked about how that command is good for us. When God gives us commands, it's not that he's trying to be harsh or hard. He's trying to give us commands that are going to be good for us and, of course, be good for other people. And so within that scripture that we just read, uh, Jesus said, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And so this is not a scripture that we can just pass off and say, well, well, that's too hard. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. So it's something that we have to work on. And that's going to we're going to kind of talk uh, further in some tangible ways uh, that we can work on that, because, as I said earlier, we learn how to love through our experiences with other people. And so in talking about love, and how Christians are supposed to love other people, think of what the church would look like if we lived that way. 
You know, Jesus said, love one another. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And so how could it change the church if we truly loved our Christian brothers and sisters the way we should? There would never be any disagreements at a church board meeting. I shouldn't say disagreements. Any bad disagreements. <laughs> I mean, we've I've I've seen church board meetings where the police have been called. Honestly, oh, wow. yeah. I mean, I'm not joking about that. Where the police have been called because they almost came to blows and things like that. Um, I I wrote down a, a word here, actually a phrase here that um, we thought maybe I would hold off till later, but the honest truth is that love is the opposite of selfishness and the problem is with love if i'm thinking about the the well-being of the other person or the other people i'm not going to be worried about how it affects me right and the problem is with more uh issues between christians and disagreements it's mostly about how I see it and how I think you're supposed to see it and how I believe that God thinks you're supposed to see it. And really, the Bible does tell us that we will not stand or fall to one another. The Bible tells us that we will stand or fall only to God. Yeah, that's true. And I think, Pete, you know, as you say that, the one thing that keeps coming back to my mind is, you know, if you are not being selfish in your viewpoint, but rather you are filled with agape love, then the other person's perspective is very important to hear because you want to know where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. You want to know what they're experiencing. And, you know, my goal when I run consistory slash board meetings is always how do we connect to each other even when we disagree? It's our right to disagree as long as you understand, we still got to love one another in right. Christ. I mean, God has called us, I heard the phrase before, God has called us to unity, but not necessarily uniformity. And different opinions don't mean that you hate another person. And a disagreement doesn't mean that you don't love the other person. But it's, again, how do we deal with it? We need to think of the other person as being the person who we need to care the most about. We need to care as much about that person or more so than we do about ourselves and our own opinions, our own feelings. I agree. It's a matter, too, of respect. And, you know, there's been times in my life where something may have happened and I didn't really agree with that or maybe even affected me negatively. But I remember, you know, sometimes I would just think to myself and, and think, well, that's not how I would have done it, but it was their choice. You know, and so it's just a matter of respecting viewpoints, uh, but it shouldn't be happening in board meetings mm -hmm. <laughs> in that way. Um, but what are some other ways, um, do you think, that if we uh, of what the church could look like if everybody truly loved each other? Don't you think there'd be a great healing to take place? I think so, Vicki. I, I believe that it's people, Christian people, churchgoers are going to have to constantly uh, go back to the thesis statements, which are the, the scriptures on how we're to act. It, we almost have to override uh, natural impulses. I was thinking of the scripture in Romans. Uh, this kind of goes along with what we were saying last week. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Carefully consider what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible on your part, live at peace with everyone. I wonder how many people have left churches because of the backbiting and the gossiping and so forth, and yet 
the Lord wants us to love those people uh, doesn't mean we have to necessarily stay in an environment that's been uh, poisoned by uh, cruelty and, and meanness among, uh, among believers, but we keep needing to go back to the scripture and see what God means by love and how to demonstrate that love, especially in church, because if a visitor walks into church and doesn't see that kind of response from us, uh, it's going to do the church some damage. I agree. And not only see it, but I think you can feel it. You know, yeah. you can tell when the spirit um, is in the church. So yeah. there, there would need to be a great repentance, wouldn't there, um, of loving each other? Because sometimes people just hang on to things far too long uh, and they don't let it go. And to me, I think that that's a key in learning to love is that you're going to just say, I'm not hanging on to this. This is not good for me. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to let this go. God calls me to command or commands me to forgive. And sometimes you might even have to pray, Lord, help me <laughs> to love those people oh, yeah. or, or help me to forgive them or whatever that it is. But don't you think that we would see a great revival come through the church if the church really learned to love? And mm -hmm. so we really need to do that. The tendons would surely rise because instead of going down, it would be coming up. And which kind of leads us to the next thought. Think of what the world would look like if the church loved this way. How could this change how the world views the church and our Christian faith? What do you think? I think there's a difference in um, trying to love Christians as opposed to trying to love uh, people who are non-believers because I believe there's a very different understanding of what love means by people who don't know God, who don't know Jesus Christ. You look at the different situations when it comes to things like political issues, and actually they're oftentimes moral issues that have been turned into political issues, mm -hmm. but it's almost an attitude of, if you loved me the way you said you you do, you wouldn't be against my lifestyle, or you wouldn't be against um, what I believe about this, or what I believe about that. Whereas, in truth, I can love a person no matter who they are, at least in theory, I mean, again, with God's help, right. I can love a person no matter who they are or what they do in the fact that I want them to come to know Jesus Christ, and that is the most important thing that they can ever have happen to them in their lives. I agree. And and I think, Pete, when, when you say that, the thought that always rings through my mind is the ability of Jesus Christ to show agape love by allowing people to tell him their life stories even though they already even though jesus already knows that life story it's like if we reach out like jesus did to hear these worldviews and say hey but i've got a better worldview that you need to know and it begins with agape love it begins with how we as a church need to reach out and and make a difference in showing that we are interested in their life stories but we want to add to their life stories the power of the gospel, the power of Jesus Christ to redeem, to transform uh, lives as God loves them, as we love them, and ultimately as we show how Jesus loves them as driven by the Holy Spirit. I agree with that. I think that if we really love the way God is calling us to, and we did this as a church, I think the world wouldn't be so negative toward Christianity. I think that they that would impact them in such a way that they would look at us differently. 
because we would be behaving differently, you know. So, But love is the message that the world needs, right? Uh, the world is full of sinners who sin against people, uh, but the church is not to live that way. And sadly, that happens even in the church. And so we're called to live in love and we're called to walk in love. And sometimes that's not so easy. And I keep coming back to the point that we need God's help and God's strength and God's Holy Spirit within us to be able to do that. And before we move on, it's time for us to take our break for our sponsors. So we will be right back with the second half of today's episode of Reconciling Grace. as we're coming back, we're talking about love and uh, Christian love and how we're supposed to love like God loves. And God is the author of love, and He certainly is the greatest example of it. Um, God shows us love in so many ways as our Heavenly Father, but the greatest, I believe, is when He sent His Son to die for us as a sacrifice for our sins. And anyone who believes in Jesus as their Savior and repents of their sin receives eternal life. And so that's the greatest gift of all, isn't it? And so Jesus loved us so much that he was willing to leave the throne of heaven and come down to be born upon this earth to die by crucifixion. And what a horrible death that that was. But it was so that we could receive this salvation. So there is no greater example of love than that, isn't there? That's right. And uh, Jesus said in John 15, uh, verses 13 and 14, um, do you want to read that, Pete? Sure. He said, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Now, I think that's pretty powerful. You know, he was looking at them and talking to them that night about, you know, just uh, a short time later he was going to be arrested and then crucified. And he's looking at them and basically let them know, I'm going to lay my, down my life for you. I'm going to be crucified. And you're my friends. But that also applies to us, doesn't it? He laid his life down for us uh, as well. So God has commanded us to love each other, but he's not left us to our own resources and how we can accomplish this. And so first of all, we have the Holy Spirit uh, within us uh, to teach us, to influence us, and to, he teaches us how to love unconditionally. We're not left to our own resources with this, but yet it's up to us uh, to choose to live in love and respond in love. And then we have the Bible. It's full of scriptures to draw from and helping us in our weaknesses. And so that's where we're going right now. We want to talk about some of these scriptures. And if we're going to talk about love, aren't we going to have to talk about the love chapter? Yep. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And so, Mick, if you would read those first three verses for us, please. Sure. Uh, the first three verses of the love chapter. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. And if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So what's the Bible trying to say to us as far as what this means in fulfilling the commandment to love? I think uh, it's telling us to uh, take a good, close look at our motivation. Is, is the love that we're expressing coming from our heart? You know, there are a lot of philanthropists in the world that want uh, self-acclaim and 
and all kinds of adoration for giving away millions of dollars or feeding poor people or responding to uh, pandemics. And those are noble things, but if they're not motivated by a godly love toward others, I think what this passage is telling us is that uh, the good deeds are secondary to our desire to express the love of Christ uh, through what we do. I really like that. I think that was great uh, insight there, Mick. And I think it shows us that um, true love is what really matters. It's not in exactly what we're doing in ministry. Without that, you know, it's not really going to mean anything because we need to love people. And that's what the Bible keeps explaining. Uh, but let's continue in verses 4 through 8. And, Don, would you read those for us, please? I sure will. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, easily angered, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love never give up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. I remember when my kids were little, and we memorized this, and they kept arguing, and I set them down the couch, and I said, this is how you need to love. And so that's just a memory that I have from that. But let's, let's dissect this. I think the very first one is going to be crucial. It says, love is patient. Has anyone ever heard or maybe said themselves that you shouldn't pray for patience? All the time. Yeah, people say that. And what do they say the reason is? Because then you're going to need it. But aren't we going to need it anyway? I don't know, and I don't want to find out. And I don't want to find out unless I get that patience now. (laughs) Are we truly going to think that if we try to not pray about it, that we're never going to come into a situation where we're going to be impatient? (laughs) You know, that's that's just not going to happen. Um, That's an area that I know that when my children were little that God led me to. Uh, he just flat out showed me, you know, you're not being patient, mm-hmm. you know. And so I know from that that there are a lot of scriptures that tell us to be patient. So shouldn't we pray for something that the Bible tells us to be? And so, you know, that's how, how I always looked at it. So let's talk about that a little bit. What would it mean? How would it benefit anybody? How does that show love to be patient? I want somebody to work on the time schedule of my agenda. <laughs> and that's really what it comes down to is when we are not being patient, we are asking God or we are asking other people to work within my agenda. Again, that part that I got to about before about being mm-hmm. love is the opposite of selfishness. Yeah. I don't know when, when I was thinking about the love is patient and thinking about you know the the original question you asked about how does the world view us as a church in a lot of ways we have to be patient with the world as they deal with their brokenness because sometimes it mm-hmm. takes time for people to really realize how broken they are 
That's true. And if you're not patient with them, and if you're not showing agape love, and you're not willing, going back to the ditch and, and digging in the ditch and empathy, mm-hmm. all that action of love begins with patience and begins with kindness. It, it's yeah. it's a process of what you work with someone. So, you know, when I was looking over this whole section of uh, verses four through eight, to me, if you, if you want hands and feet, to agape love, you just experienced it. That's true. I think too that uh, the Bible teaches us not to be impulsive. And I think that that's God's way of uh, showing us uh, that we can make mistakes if we act impulsively without being patient. And then, you know, there's a lot of practical applications in the book of James, and I love this verse that says, this is James 1.19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And I think if we followed that practical advice as Christians, we would avoid a lot of the problems that arise from acting on impulse as a result of impatience. One of the things that I like what you just talked about, Mick, was the idea of being practical. And I I just sense the need to say something here because there are different types of people in the world. Um, Some are very much what I want to call perfectionists. And I know of Christians, and this will probably apply to myself as well, who I get down on myself when I don't do it perfectly. And whenever I think that I am loving another person and somebody points out how, no, maybe I wasn't loving them as much as as I was loving myself, that can just put me in a spiritual funk for a while. Um, The point, I believe, is that we, again, and I said this earlier, I don't remember if it was during the previous episode or this one, we need to make sure that our love flows from a love of God first and that, that his love will overflow from us to others. It's not about a perfection. Um, I, that's why I like the idea of what you said, Mick, about a practical thing. Um, we may not be perfect. We're never going to be perfect. But don't let the imperfect keep us from trying to continue to love. I agree. There's a scripture that can kind of go along with that. It's Ephesians 4.2, and it says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. And that's where impatience comes in when we're not making allowances for other people's faults. You know, if, uh, if they do something wrong or whatever, get impatient with them. Uh, so patience is, is very important. There's a lot of scriptures for that. And again, as we go through these things, you know, I'm a firm believer in using scripture to try to help us with our weak spots. And so, you know, I have done that myself, and it helped me greatly to find scriptures on patience and uh, and learn them and, and try to practice that and pray over it. But it also says love is kind. Um, sometimes I just wonder, why can't someone be kind? You know, it should come more naturally because of our love in our heart, but sometimes people are just outright mean, you know. And so the, the Bible's telling us here, love is to be kind. Mm-hmm. A new song just came out as we're recording this, when I say new, within the last few weeks by Josh Wilson, and it's called Revolutionary. And one of the uh, lines in that song is, 
when did kindness become so revolutionary? Mm -hmm. And the idea being is it shouldn't be revolutionary, but it would be if we can all be kind to each other, it would be a revolution. That's, that's true. I believe that. I've heard that song. It goes on and says here, love is, is not jealous. Uh, jealousy is so destructive, isn't it? Um, people can kind of think in their heads and start believing things that's not even there just uh, from being jealous. Um, it's not boastful. It doesn't brag. Um, it's not rude, and, and it's not proud. You know, the Proverbs tells us that pride comes before the fall. So um, how can pride be destructive? Pride is when I think too much of myself. Um, you know, I think Don mentioned again, I can't remember if it was the previous episode or this one, that we do have to love ourselves, but the, the question then comes down to, am I loving myself more than I'm loving God? Mm -hmm. And am I being selfish in that way? And if am I thinking too highly of myself? There are times when I think that that's what the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders in the Bible did. They thought so highly of themselves because they were so good at following the letter of the law. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was all about promoting themselves and how good they are and hey everybody be like me you know that's that's when it gets to be pride and you're starting to rely on self rather than relying on Jesus Christ to be working through you yeah I agree but the Bible tells us here that love is not proud uh, and it's not rude uh, it also says it does not demand its own way you know wanting to be right wanting everything to be your way um, do you think that that's a problem with people? All the uh, time. Yeah. I mean, I struggle with that. We, if, if we don't struggle with it, I don't think we're human. Yeah. I think we can all can learn from that. <laughs> but then it says it's not irritable, or some versions say um, easily angered, and that it keeps no records of being wronged. And uh, if you're going to hang on to your anger, then probably going to keep records of what somebody has done for you. So I think that those two um, can go hand in hand. And so we've talked before how it's not a, the Bible says it's not a sin to be angry, um, but I certainly don't recommend we stay in it. Yeah. You know, the Bible doesn't want us to be controlled by it. One of the best things I ever heard a preacher say, uh, and I think this is a direct quote, I wish I remembered who the preacher was, was forgiving someone may be the best gift you ever give yourself. That's true. Very true. So it goes on and says here that love does not rejoice about injustice. And uh, I know here in the United States that could really, we can see that if we turn on the TV. Some injustice is going on with us, some of the rioting and things that goes on and people cheer for it. And love wouldn't do that. Love wouldn't rejoice about uh, injustice, but it would rejoice when uh, justice was coming. It says when truth wins out, when we, we did um, have justice. And so I, I like how it ends. It says love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures every circumstance. So these are some just some of the scriptures that will teach us about how to love people. And it's not just a matter of finding scriptures that have love in it. Um, there's a scripture that says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. So there's so many different scriptures that teach us how to love, and we've just touched on these things. Um, but in closing, I just want to say that the Holy Spirit influences our heart and mind, but we have to be willing to change our heart and be conformed like God's and to love people the way He does. 
but it has to first start with our love for Him. And I truly believe that our love for others and how we treat them will be measured by how much we love God and obey Him. That's right. And even if we can't do it in our strength, we can rely on His strength within us. And remember that the Bible tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much He loves us. And we are just about out of time here for another episode. So I just want to thank Vicki Cundiff, Vicki, for sharing this uh, topic, for leading this topic, being here in the studio. It's always good to see everybody in the studio, but it's also good to see you guys who are remotely with us, Don McDonald, Mick Wells. Uh, this is Pete Vecchi. We have been here discussing the commandment to love on today's episode of Reconciling Grace. Lord willing, we'll be back next time. So until then, may God bless you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.